When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there, friends, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 382 of Sustainable Minimalists, a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing elimination communication. Oh my goodness, what is that? I'll be honest, I had no idea what elimination communication was until I received an email back in January. I'm way behind, but back in January, I received an email from Madeline. Madeline's a listener to the show, and she said that I should interview Andrea Olson of Go Diaper Free because, and I quote, the environmental impact of disposable diapers is devastating and Andrea is doing an incredible job helping people get back to how humans used to take care of our infants' potty needs. So when I receive an email from a listener like this, singing someone's praise, telling me how much this potential guest has helped and improved her life, I listen. This episode is for the new moms listening, for the expectant moms, and for the maybe one day in the future moms, of course. But this episode is also for everybody else who have noticed a troubling pattern. And the pattern is this. Advertisers have effectively and continue to effectively market out traditional human behaviors by inserting a product of convenience into our lives and claiming it's the modern solution. It's the solution for the modern man or the modern woman. Plastic diapers are, of course, one of those such products. Andrea, I'm so excited to talk to you today. You come with high praise. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. So I have to say off the bat that my children are out of diapers. And that's unfortunate because I had no idea that there was such a thing as elimination communication when they were in diapers. So you're going to tell me how this all works. And wow, from the moms listening, I think you're going to change their lives. But tell us who you are. Tell us about your family. Tell us about diapers and how they fit into your life. Tell us all the things. I just had my sixth baby. So some might call me crazy, but my whole parenting reality is so different from the mom next door who didn't hear about elimination communication, which I'll call EC for short. They have a diaper pail. They have poopy diapers to clean up for two, three, four years. They have bedwetters. They have all of these really unfortunate things because they listen to the advice of pediatrician who learned all of that from the diaper companies who actually really just want to sell us a crap ton more diapers no pun intended. That is like um, ridiculous. So anyway, my newest baby is only four months old, but she's been pooping in the potty since 
the fourth day of her life. Not that we get all of them. It's not all or nothing. You don't have to sit there and stare at your baby all the time, but like we at four months have hit a rhythm, right? So she hardly ever poops her pants. And when she does, I honestly don't even know what to do. I don't have any extra clothes. We were on a road trip last week and I was like, whoa, how do I deal with this? And I feel really in my heart so bad for people who have been misinformed that have to deal with this on a daily basis. It's just not natural. But basically the first five were out of diapers by walking. I didn't have to potty train any of them. They all pooped in the potty from birth. And I saved, I've calculated about $10,000 in diapers because they're all out. So like we have a totally different reality than the mom next door. I've never owned a diaper pail. I literally don't know how to handle a blowout. I'm just like mal-equipped. But even with now a 12-year-old is my oldest, like I feel like it's equipped me to handle pretty much anything because we have this kind of primal connection that the marketplace has told us basically to forget about. You mentioned there that you have found your rhythm, especially with your newest addition to the family. And by the way, a huge congratulations to you. One thing that I really want to talk to you about is the fact that elimination communication is so much better for the planet. And you touch on this on your website. You mentioned that filling our earth with poo-filled pampers is dishonoring the earth. Can you talk to me more about how getting in touch with our babies and our toddlers' natural elimination cycles is better for the planet? Yes, but also for our children. Well, our children are inheriting our planet. Even seventh generation diapers plays to that tune, but their diapers don't biodegrade ever. So there's an interesting thing here where we're handing down a planet to children and their grandchildren, and we are creating such a huge waste stream problem. The most recent data, which is about a dozen years old, is 27 billion diapers are landfilled a year in the U.S. alone. They're filled with those chemicals, the gels, and all sorts of waste from our babies. You're actually supposed to dump a disposable diaper before you throw it away. I don't know if anybody knows this. You're supposed to, but nobody does that. So this is all in our landfills and this is the third largest waste stream. And since this early sixties, when they were invented, no disposable diaper has ever biodegraded. So that means every one of them that's ever been thrown away is still pretty much the way it was. So we're dealing with a massive issue there's a Pampers executive who's retired, who I will not name, who lives in Asheville. And I met him at a coffee shop and I was like, dude, I've got to talk to you. What is going on? Why is this so crazy? We were all potty trained by 18 months in the fifties. 92% of babies were in America. And now three is the average. And maybe you did something similar because this is our culture and we're told not to early potty train and we're guilted into like, oh, don't damage them and all this crazy stuff. When you really think about it, like, what did people do before diapers? This executive told me, we just wanted to make it easier for moms and easier for them to get out of the house and work and make their babies more comfortable and all this, do less laundry. And he was like, we have taken it too far, but I'm an investor. So I'm not going to say anything about it. Like he gets money <laughs> forever from them, but he's like, in our desire to do the best thing for moms, I feel like we've gone too far. And in the nineties, like they pushed ages and stages and all these other things. So they're keeping your babies in diapers, AKA pull-ups till five or six years old. Sometimes they're just making money off of us not taking care of things. So when you look at what our kids are going to do, they're probably going to do the same thing we did. And then someday maybe we'll hit the hundredth monkey where they go, Oh, wait, we aren't 
supposed to be doing this. Just imagine like any other mammal. Do any of them use diapers? No. No, but they also don't live in homes, right? They don't have cars. Agreed. They don't have toilets. They have to try to figure out how to sit on completely. So like we try to meet in the middle there of, yes, we're modern and we want convenience. And then what are our children biologically ready for? And when, when they're starting to walk, they're ready to be independent. And they like want to use the toilet. They'll come to the toilet with you and point at it and want to do stuff that you do. I definitely want to talk to you about the development of our children and when the right time is and how to go about practicing elimination communication. But before we do that, you touched on timeline there. You mentioned how disposable diapers were invented, I would say, in the 60s. But before that, in the 50s and earlier, children were potty trained by 18 months. Let's go back even further. Throughout the history of time, there was no disposable diapers. How were moms and dads dealing with baby waste? How were they potty training? When were they potty training? I'm guessing you're going to say that before the beginning of Pampers and Huggies marketing, we were doing things quite differently. So walk me through the history of it. Yeah. I actually found an old manual of baby raising from like the forties that has a baby being held over a chamber pot. So like my house was built in 1890. They didn't have a toilet in it. They had to use an outhouse. What would they do in the middle of the night or with a baby or whatever, they would use a chamber pot. About half the world's population right now is potty trained by one-year-olds still. The disposable diapers haven't reached everywhere. So if we go to like Stone Age Indians or we go to different parts of Asia, you're gonna find people doing what they did back a long time ago. So cloth diapers were invented a couple hundred years ago. They weren't even on the market till a couple hundred years ago. Disposables were invented around 1961 and parents hated them. They did not want to use them. Paper on our baby's bottoms, no. But through some really nice marketing and saying you're going to damage your baby psychologically, they started to use them. Let's go back even further. Let's go back to like when we were nomadic, when we were hunter-gatherers. We would wear our babies in a sling. So that was really common, right? And when the baby wriggles or shows a sign that they need to go to the bathroom, you take them out of the sling, hold them with their back against your chest, aim at a bush or squat with them and go or grunt or just sit there and they'll know that they need to go and they go in the bush. So nomadic tribes sometimes or colder tribes like Eskimos would use things like um, fur or mosses to stuff inside the baby's swaddle to just catch anything that they might've missed. Or if they're walking a very long distance today and they wouldn't be able to stop and potty them, or it's just too cold that the baby could go. And so that was like the early diaper, but can we just point one thing out right here? That wasn't a toilet. It was a backup just in case. So when we do EC in the modern day, we use a diaper also, but we use it as a backup just in case, because we have carpets and cars and daycares and things, but we don't use it as a full-time toilet. So we've been taught to use these disposables as a full-time toilet just within the last 200 years with cloth diapers. If they caught anything in the potty before the baby was walking and they could stop using the diapers and just start using the potty, they would call that bonus points. So usually between six and 12 months, the kid was poop trained because who wants to wash poopy diapers when you don't have running water? So think about the cavemen. If 
our babies were born incontinent, pooping and peeing wherever, whenever, and there was no communication between caregiver and baby, we literally never would have evolved into the human species that we are today. We would have died out a long time ago. All mammals would have. So when you think about it this way, a wolf puppy in his den, if it goes on the floor in the den, the mom is probably going to be pretty ticked off. So she's going to move them out. No, you go outside. That's early potty training for a mammal. You pick up a puppy and they start to wriggle and everything. And if you set it down on your carpet, it's going to pee on your carpet. So that signal is what these nomadic tribes would use when they're wearing their babies in a sling. You would feel them squirming or feel them start to bear down or feel warm like you've been wetted. We call that a phantom pee. It's a real thing. And then you take them out of the carrier point and shoot. <laughs> That's what we call that technique. And they go. It's amazing. If you're on a walk with a baby, and they hate your baby carrier. Take them out and try to potty them. And guess what? They're going to be so comfortable. Put them back in the carrier. They'll fall asleep. Like our babies are way less fussy, way more comfortable for longer periods of time. Because, you know, when a baby's like just crying its head off and you just can't figure out what's wrong and you're a new mom, you're just like, oh my gosh. So you try to nurse them, try to put a pacifier in try to put them down to sleep. And then you finally check the diaper and it's dirty. You're like, oh, you're crying because you were dirty and you wanted changed. If we rewind just a couple of moments, they were crying because they wanted you to take the diaper off because it is against their instincts to go in their pants. It's against their instincts to go on you or in their bed. So like, what did people do before then? They just had this other stream of communication going on of like cries and wriggles and needs that they were like, oh, and you just get it. Like maybe you get peed on. And then the next time you're like, I knew that one was coming. I'm going to, I'm going to take you this time and have them pee somewhere else other than your lap. But babies do give you a sign. Now, when they start crawling, they stop signaling. But think about this back when we lived in huts and intact communities together with lots of people, they would crawl out of the hut and go outside. I feel like it was so ingrained in our culture, just like breastfeeding, just like co-sleeping, that it got marketed out of us. And now we've just completely lost our basic intuition about when does the baby need to go pee. And that's my job where I get to teach people how to figure that out. I love that phrase. It's been marketed out of us. So much has been marketed out of the way we do things. And specifically, we're talking about babies and potty training today. But if we wanted to expand our thoughts and think about all the other natural things that we've done historically that have been marketed out due to modernization. I think that's really where the special sauce lies. There's something about marketing modernization. We don't necessarily want to touch poo or pee or clean cloth, right? So in comes the disposable diaper because a modern parent would never, you know, <laughs> do that or touch waste. And so, Andrea, I want to take a break. But when we come back, I want to talk about what you say to the parents listening who would likely argue that elimination communication isn't good for children's development. That's a common criticism in your sphere. I want to hear what you have to say. We're going to do that after a quick sponsor break. So many of us have chaotic Closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow 
we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back. Today I'm speaking with Andrea Olson. She is a podcaster. She is an author. She is the mom of six. Andrea Before the break, we were talking about the marketing out of quote unquote natural human behaviors, right? And the modernization of human beings. But let's talk about child development. There is some research that suggests that children who are trained to use the toilet before the age of two have tripled the risk of later developing daytime wedding problems and more concerns beyond the child development concerns is that modern parents, again, using that word modern, they don't have the time to do this very likely time intensive illumination communication. And therefore, those parents who do it, it leads to even greater parental isolation, which is a problem. I was very isolated as a stay at home mom. What do you say to these criticisms? Take it away. Great. So the first thing is how were they trained? before two. The second thing is I want to talk about Dr. Hodges. And the third thing is time. So let's start with time. That's an easy one. Easy actually takes something off your plate, having to change poopy diapers, having to deal with toddler tantrums, because a lot of their erratic behavior is caused by the fact that they don't want to be wearing a bag full of pee on their bottoms. When you really think about it, it's not okay for them. They don't like it. They're trying to run away from it. They get really wild. Early potty training per Maria Montessori normalizes behavior. She recommends between 12 and 18 months is the best period to wrap up potty training with your infant. In Montessori schools, they actually will do that if they're traditional Montessori schools. Between 12 and 18 months, they just wear cotton pants all day and they group train. It's amazing. Time-wise, it takes something huge off your plate and actually makes you a more 
connected parent. Not that we're better than you if you don't do it. That's not what I'm saying because some people are just too stressed out and just can't understand how to do it. And I get that. But if you just do it once a day or you just try the poops or whatever, you start to slowly build back this very primal connection that equips you to be a better parent in the long run. So it just adds anything, anything like that relational that you can do adds to your connection. It's always good, but it does take, it takes way less time. One time I had my six month old in the baby carrier at a museum. I walk into the bathroom. I take him to the potty. I hear this woman bless her heart. She was changing a huge blowout with her six month old on the table. She had wet wipes everywhere. It was terrible. The kid was screaming his head off. I felt so sad for her. And then we go into the toilet. I take him off. I hold him over the toilet. He poops in it. We flush the toilet. I put his diaper back on, put him back in the carrier. I walk out and she's still dealing with this terrible mess. Did it take me more time? No, it took me way less time. So time-wise, yes, we're busy parents, but the way that I teach EC is like, there are some, there are four main catches you can do and you just insert those into your life and you eventually start to sync up. It's like the bare minimal. We talk about minimalism. It's the minimum effort potty training for a baby. And you just do that. And then if you have to potty train, it's like super straightforward. They're not just shocked by, oh my gosh, I have to go in this toilet and I've never done that before. It's an exposure technique. It's very beautiful, super part-time. It takes less time. So let's backtrack to how are these children potty trained before two years old? I have an article on my blog that someone, one of my coaches wrote for it that lists all the scientific studies that show waiting is detrimental to their health and doing it before two is beneficial to their health. The one person who profits off of this and really messes with the parent's confidence if they feel the desire to potty train early is Dr. Hodges. Dr. Hodges makes his living working with kids ages three and up who have bowel issues. And the reason they're in his medical practice is because they have medical constipation that causes leakage throughout the day of urine. So he has a study that he did with a very small sample size. I think it's like 70 kids from his practice who already had problems because they were incorrectly potty trained. We never talk about that, but he does say, yeah, EC is good if you have all the time in the world, which he's also wrong about. So he's trying to sell his products and his practice. If you follow the money, usually you'll find some kind of reason. So he has built all of his studies off of just a very different segment of children that is not your neurotypical child. If it were true that potty training before two years old actually damaged your child in any way, shape, or form, what about all of human history? Were we all messed up until the 60s? I don't think evolution happens that fast. So I'm pretty sure that's (laughs) just a marketing message, but I digress. (laughs) Are there any children, in your opinion, for whom elimination communication would not be right for? Not children, but parents. I would say there are a lot of parents who will never try EC and that's fine. I'm not for you, but I do have training for regular potty training because a lot of people either don't want to do EC or just don't find me in time. So like if you're pregnant, you have a young kid anywhere zero to 18 months, I can totally teach you EC. That's the range that's developmentally fine. Above 18 months, you just want to do potty training and like it shouldn't take more than a week. And I definitely teach how to do that because we also weren't born knowing how to do that. The people who shouldn't probably do it or wouldn't probably do it are the ones who basically raise their kid in an iPad life. 
from as soon as they can hold their phone, they give them their phone, they're distracted parenting. And I am totally guilty of having been a distracted parent at times. People who have postpartum depression, probably not a good fit. I've had postpartum depression. I had it for three years, undiagnosed. I also did EC during that time somehow, but it was super hard to be calm and present and to not be hard on myself when I had what we call a miss. So if there are symptoms of postpartum depression, I would definitely address those before trying to do EC or just be aware of that, that you're going to have a shorter fuse and it's going to be a little bit harder to have grace with yourself. Um, But mostly just the kind of parent who doesn't really, who just is really into just the modernization things that uh, has all the gadgets and all the things in order to make parenting as streamlined as possible, but they're not really in it for the connection and the relationship. Those people will never do EC and will boohoo it. And I hear about it all the time on our social media, and that's fine. But the people who need to hear the message are the ones who are like, yeah, come to think of it, waiting for my baby to poop in his diaper and finish and then changing him doesn't feel right. Or throwing away all these diapers does not feel right. Then I'm your girl and I can help you. Yeah. And just from a practical standpoint, the children who are in daycare, they will not be doing elimination communication. Heck, you can't even bring cloth diapers to daycare. So, you know, the working subset of parents who rely on care out of the home, it doesn't seem to me as though elimination communication would be right for them. I just want to just mention that there's a couple podcast episodes that I have of super part-time EC, totally working. One mom in my group, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., her kid would be in daycare, long time. But before that time, for the first two years, she just did part-time on the weekends, at night, and before daycare. And then during daycare, she just put her in a diaper and told her baby, use this if you need to go. Ask the daycare to change her more often, just so she wouldn't get a rash. Change her every hour or two. And they found a common ground. So like we work with parents all the time who have to go back to work. They're like, why would I do EC if I just have to go back to work in six months? My book comes with coaching for my coaches because we need support. And in our group, we have tons of examples of how you can do it just to maintain that exposure so that it's not hard when the daycare finally allows it. I'm so happy to hear that. And I'm thinking about how your answer really goes back to the type of parent you are, right? If you're, um, again, I'm using that word, but if you're a modern parent who buys into all the gadgets, the gizmos, the all the stuff that's marketed to you as a new mom or dad, then perhaps this isn't for you. But if you are on board and you're committed to doing it, there are ways, it sounds like, to make elimination communication work for you. Now, Andrea, I know we cannot break down exactly how to start out on an elimination communication path in a 30-minute podcast episode. I will direct everybody to your book and podcast, but I do have to just ask you quickly. I know your first son was out of diapers at nine months old. Oh my gosh, what a dream. Can you just give me a real general overview of how on earth you accomplish that? Yeah. Luckily I found out about it before I ever became pregnant. So if you're listening and you're pregnant, great. Good for you. If you start how you mean to go on, it's much easier starting a day one with him. For me, it was my first, I really just observed him for a couple of weeks on a waterproof pad. We spent a lot of time naked, both of us, because it was warm out the summer, whatever. And, and I would observe like when he would go on the pad, I would cue along with him. I'd make the noise like running water or the <clears throat> noise for poop. And because it was breastfed milk 
poop. It was not that huge of a deal. But the first meconium poop, like we were like, what is he doing? He's pushing down so much. My partner handed me the potty. I held him over it and he went in it, that tarry poop that you cannot get off their bottoms. And I was hooked. So it's like literally one catch. And then I was just completely like, how could I unknow this? Now I really want to get all of them. So I'd go for every other pee. And we used cloth at first, which was great. We had a cloth diaper service, but we never had poopy cloth. We would catch all the poops in the potty just because if he started to bear down, I would say, wait. And then I'd hold him over the potty. And we did use a top hat potty that you hold between your legs. But I really just kept doing this rhythm. So my day would be like, he'd wake up, I'd offer the potty, I'd nurse him. The first fuss after feeding is a signal every time. I would potty him. I would hang out with him, had no idea how to play with him, was terrible at getting my baby to sleep. So I'd put him in the Moby wrap and walk three miles every day and get myself a sandwich. And like, he would nap on me. And during the walk, if he woke up and he started to wriggle around, I'd hold him over the grass and he'd go, we'd get home and we would repeat. So like the wake up pee, the poops before and after the car seat, like I want him to be comfortable in the car seat. I want him to be comfortable when we arrive somewhere so we can hang out and he'll be chill. That's basically what we did. It's not rocket science. We just insert it into our care cycle after they wake up and when they fuss and it becomes this rhythm to the day and then they go to sleep and then they wake up and you just do it again. My friends who don't have kids are like, your baby is so chill. Like all my babies are so comfortable and calm and happy because they have their needs taken care of. And I'm not better than anyone. I just have a piece of the wisdom that we've lost. And it's been a huge blessing. As you're talking there, I was thinking, or I was reminiscing about my time with my two daughters, nursing them. Like your life is revolving around sleeping, peeing, pooping, and eating. That's Mm -hmm. a baby's life. And so I can see this more natural way, just working in those first six months, let's say, because that's what you're focused on. You're focused on those three things. I'm all for the easier way and I'm all for not changing poopy diapers. So tell us where we can find all of your goodness. The best place to start is the free easy start guide. It is one page because we don't have time for more than that. And you can get it at godiaperfree.com forward slash start. I would just start there on my website. You'll see my podcast. You can search through any topic you want. There's an about easy page. You can wrap your head around it. My podcast has over 200 episodes of just really bite-sized, like eight to 10 minutes on very small topics. Well, Andrea, this was so fun. I learned an awful lot. And I thank you so much for your time. Best wishes with your four-month-old. Thank you so much. Thank you. Listeners, that's a wrap. Show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 382. I have a lot of Andrea's links up in there. And we do have an eco tip today. It comes from me. I received an email alerting me to this new app. It's called Commons. It's a free app which features a community of people who are looking to lower their carbon emissions by buying less and buying better. So I got this email about this new app, Commons. I downloaded it. I thought it was pretty cool. It's free. If you are looking to lower your emissions, lower that carbon footprint, and of course, consume with intention, check out Commons. Again, it's free and I kind of like it. So listeners, we will be back on Thursday. I will see you then and take care.